You are going to be the best mom. I'm an amazing mother. You are the best mom in the whole world. Lady, you are the best mom ever. Welcome to The Mom Show, My Talk 1071's new show featuring guests and topics that all good moms will want to hear. The phone lines are open for your questions. Am I doing this right? 651-641-1071 or email the show at mytalk1071.com keyword mom. Thank you, as always, for joining us for The Mom Show here on MyTalk 1071 and streaming at MyTalk1071.com. I am Ms. Shannon, reminding you what we do here on The Mom Show. We make your life easier because we get so busy, especially this time of year, going, I'm going to look mm-hmm. this up. I am going to research this. I'm going to ask, you know, answer these questions that have been floating around in the mm-hmm. back of my mind, and then we just don't get to it. Yes. So here on The Mom Show, we have a ro- rotating panel of experts that come in with an, a great bunch of resources and help you get through all of those challenges. So today from Sheridan and Dulas, we have Deanne and we have Andrew who are going to help us, our family attorneys. And you always have an amazing uh, uh, group of information. So thank you very much for joining us, well, Deanne. Thanks so much for Andrew. having us. It's yes. uh, kind of one of those days where no one wants to get out of bed. So hopefully everybody's <laughs> listening to us under the covers and uh and really just staying safe. And hopefully we give you some great information today. And if this is something that applies to you or maybe applies to somebody else, you're always welcome to go and listen to this as again as a podcast at mytalk1071.com, keyword mom show. And you'll be able to get the information there as well, because we are going to give you some information about things that you may be worried about when you're going into a divorce. And I think it's really cool either way. Like if yeah. you're already going through a divorce, we know that's a very tumultuous time in your mm-hmm. life. And maybe there are some uh, some information out there that was uh, a misconception. Yes. Um, and it's probably causing you more stress. If you are already divorced, I think that this is a great show to listen to as well, because you might either feel some validation on some mm-hmm. things or you might learn some things that you're like, oh, next time I have to renegotiate. I didn't know that when I went into it the last time. We yeah. can take care of that as well. Absolutely. And the thing that it's always important to remember is that every divorce has its legal part. It's got a financial part, but it also has an emotional part. Right. And so as we're going through this process, whether you are just at the beginning and thinking about it or you've started it or you're really in a place where you've passed your divorce, but you're still working out issues. It's so important to really understand why you're acting in a certain way, what that motivation is and what may be keeping you from doing those things that really would be benefit to you. Right. Um, but you're like kind of holding back because you've got some concerns about what that next step might look like. And that fear of the unknown is absolutely debilitating. If you've been sitting around with any of those fears floating around in your mind, today is a great day for you to call, speak to Deanne and speak to Andrew. The number is 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. We also want to remind you that Deanne and Andrew, they are great attorneys. Uh, if you need specific information, you can get a hold of them at ssdpa.com. But although the information you hear today may apply to you, remember that this is general legal advice and we do encourage you to seek your own counsel, right? lady and gentlemen correct correct always yes. always you because know, as you said every scenario is a little different oh it's always a little different it can turn on some of the finest details that you thinking about it or talking with your friends you don't think is really a big deal but a lawyer hears those things and little red flags go up and we start hearing things that you may not think are important that really are important right that's absolutely right. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, you know, when I was getting ready to go through my divorce, I remember that my ex was like, well, we can just do this ourselves. And I was the one that said, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, and I think every scenario is a little different, but there are lots of people who choose to do it on their own. But mm-hmm. there's pros and cons to doing it yourself, right? Oh, there's so many different complicating factors that can come into the mix. Um, unless you've been married six months, have no kids, and haven't commingled any assets together. Right. Something is going to come up that if you try to do it on your own, uh, you can really run afoul of some pretty big problems. And language matters in these documents. The words you use, the specific words you use can make a big difference. It may sound the same to you. Right. But the impact can be so much different. Right. And I remember even going, okay, you know, you can go and get kids at the library or go Mm -hmm. online and do a lot of this. And I'm going, "Mm." and I know my scenario was probably a little more complicated because not only do I have a son, I have a son that has special needs and that Mm -hmm. was part of it. But once we got into the process, I'm like, I don't think I would have wanted to do this even if we had less of a specific scenario. Mm -hmm. And those court published forms, they're a one size fits all. So there's (laughs) not actually going to be too much help if you've got a very specific issue. And then there's also the, the, the process of actually actualizing that settlement agreement or that agreement that you came up with your spouse that you may not be able to uh, complete with just those forms. Okay. So what do you mean by actualizing? I I feel like I've heard that word, but I've never had to use it in context. So what do you mean? In this this sense, um, say if there's a division of a retirement account, which I think we're going to get to later on in the show, there aren't forms published by the court to do that. And there's a variety of ways to divide certain types of accounts that these forms won't help you with. Right. And so I also feel like one of the things you brought up before, Deanne, is that part of the reason why you usually, and we're not just trying to make you go out there and spend money unwisely. We understand that this is a financial, you know, deciding that you're going to do this and actually get representation. That's a big deal for some people because you're like, am I going to spend the money on this? Um, But the other reasons why we normally do those kind of things is sometimes just like there's worthy uh, reasons why you would go and see a seek professional counseling reasons mm-hmm. why you would go and see a, a therapist for your mental health. These are situations that having someone to be your mediator and your, your, your representation, it makes a big difference for you when you're going through something difficult like this. So again, when you're going through this process, or you're just thinking about going through this process, that emotional component to this really impairs your judgment. Your sympathetic nervous system will shut down parts of your brain in times of high stress and you'll react right and so often emotionally we're driven to get to a resolution simply to get to the resolution so that the stress ends right and then you get to the end of it and you look back and you go oh my gosh well why did why did i do that why did this happen this way because our brain is tricking us to doing anything we can to just eliminate that situational stress and the thing that can help us the most is getting rid of the fear of the unknown. Right. Educating yourself, getting the information that you need is often that thing to make that kind of that weight go off your shoulders and just say, you know what? Oh, I I didn't get that. I thought this or that or the other. And it's those fears that we're talking about today that really can hold you back from moving forward because you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. So is that normally what you see is that there's people going, I don't know where to start and that's why I'm here and what information do you need or what's usually that final hump that they're dealing with? That's usually where we start. Um, Sometimes there's a deficit of information with one of the two parties and I think that's a great segue into our first segment Mm -hmm. uh, is that uh, often we'll encounter somebody that um, maybe has ignorance of the finances or maybe the other party has exercised some financial dominance or uh, financial abuse. Okay. Um, 
each of these are a little bit distinct. Um, when somebody's just ignorant of the finances, they just maybe haven't managed the finances during the marriage. So maybe they might have been both working in the relationship, but one person just put it into the account and the other one handled all of the, you know, right. where does it go? How do I buy investments? What bills do I pay off? That type of thing. It's that normal division of labor that we often see. Like for right. instance, I am here right now with you. My husband is at home with our snowblower trying right. to clear. <laughs> Fair right. enough. But it's mm-hmm. also true that you have that happen uh, with finances. Often, even in in the best relationships, you'll find that there's that division of labor. When you get into those uh, more control or abuse situations, that division of labor can really become a way of controlling the other spouse. Ah, so somebody wasn't able to make their own decision because they didn't have access to the funds. That's correct. Okay. And, and there's a number of ways to counter these issues, whether it's uh, ignorance, dominance, or even financial abuse. Okay. Um, we can work with a financial coach to get you caught up with everything that you need to know from the day-to-day uh, financial aspects. But in terms of discovering that information, attorneys can um, submit some subpoenas to financial institutions in which they have to provide documentation. And we can also do formal discovery uh, and obtain information and actual documents from the other side. And Andrew, I just have a general follow-up question. What if you're in that uh, last stage that you said of that financial abuse? Like maybe you don't, you think that you have money, but you don't Mm -hmm. have access to it. Like how Mm -hmm. do you start this um, road to recovery if you're going, I have money, but I can't get to it? Well, one of the first steps might be to file for a temporary motion okay. uh, to obtain a temporary order for spousal maintenance or access to the funds. This is an actual court document. The other party will have to comply with this, uh, whether or not they want to. Okay. So that's a good start. So if you were yeah. too afraid to try this because you're like, well, I don't have the money and they control all the money. Yeah. There is a recourse for you to get out of that scenario. There is a way. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's very common to see people come in and say, you know, I really need a divorce. You know, uh, I only get an allowance from my spouse. You know, I don't even get my own paycheck. It goes into an account. All the accounts are in my spouse's name. I don't have any credit cards in my own name. I don't know where to start. I'm afraid if I start this, I'm going to be homeless. Right. Right. Mm. I'm going to be living with relatives. I'm going to be in a hotel and I don't even know how I'll pay for it. And so that lack of access to resources really can keep people from moving forward, even out of really hostile and abusive relationships. Okay. And so coming in and talking to a lawyer, you really get some information about how we could access those funds to not only pay for your attorney's fees, but also pay for those monthly living expenses as you go along, just so that you don't feel that if you leave, you won't get anything, right? Very freeing information so far. We're going to talk about some top things you may be worried about when you're going into a divorce, courtesy of Andrew and Deanne from Sheridan and Dulas. Now, when we get back, what do you guys want to cover next? Well, I, I go ahead. I think we need to cover domestic abuse and violence. Okay. Yeah, there's so often that people get trapped in relationships, not because they don't think that they should leave, but because they don't feel that they have the power to leave. And so thinking about it from that perspective, I think is really important. And we're also open to taking your questions. You can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back with Sheridan and Dulas here on The Mom Show. Welcome back to The Mom Show here on MyTalk 1071, also streaming at MyTalk1071.com. Just use the keyword Mom Show if you need to listen to this episode or previous episodes. Episodes. In from Sheridan and Dulas, Deanne Dulas and Andrew Hunstad are joining us this morning. We're talking about things that you may be worried about 
going into a divorce and we're taking your questions at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. We started with some of the, like a version of abuse. Mm -hmm. Because we were talking about how sometimes your finances could be weaponized and used against you. And that's what worries you before you go into this divorce proceedings. And then we also teased that we were going to talk about the concept of domestic abuse, which we know happens more often than we would like to talk about. But it's something that definitely paralyzes people and go... I can't make decisions. Here's what's going to happen. Yes. And that is really a reality for a good chunk of people out there. And that domestic abuse can be physical abuse, but it can also be emotional abuse. It can simply be fear that they're creating in you. Uh, And it's really common to have people come in and say things like, I know that he's going to hurt me. I, he's threatened to kill me if I leave him. He's threatened to take the kids away. He's told me he'll never pay child support. He's told me that this was going to be World War III and he's going to ruin me. Right. right? And it's a real guttural fear because you can see it in a person's eyes when they're saying it to you. It's not just words. No. They really feel it. And they're even scared to share with you that feeling of powerlessness right. and that fear of retribution of what will happen next. I'm sure a little piece of you even goes, are they going to find out that I'm even talking to an attorney? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, sometimes if we talk to people ahead of time or some, certainly something you should think about, turn off your phone. Right. There could be tracking software on your phone or the Find My Phone app. Turn off your phone before you come in. Uh, turn it off at a place where that is a normal place for you to be, but don't let them track you coming in. Uh, we don't charge uh, any sort of consultation fee for that very reason, right? right. We, one, we want to make sure that you can come in and talk with us without worrying about every minute that clicks by. But we also don't want a check to come to our office when you're just thinking about doing this and it shows up in a checkbook right. and the other spouse sees it, right? This is a confidential process if they call up and say, hey, did you talk to my wife? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I don't know who you're talking about. Right? Exactly. That's the answer that comes out. So do what you can to be responsive to that feeling of fear to right. try to protect yourself. And know that uh, this is a process where you're just trying to get some information. Um, and we've done other shows before where you th- talk about tracking software and we talk about people creating devices on phones. Right. Um, where they can listen in. So if you're really worried about it. Call from a phone that isn't your cell phone. Right. Call from somebody else's phone. Email us from a different location other than your home computer. Find a way to get in touch with us and come in and see us. Right. Because you can find help. Yes. Mm -hmm. Always. You can find help. And the things that we can do when we're dealing with situations with domestic abuse or emotional or, or fear type abuse is, you know, we can give you some information and some ideas. For instance, have a go bag. Ready to go in your car so that if something happens and you need to leave, you don't have to try to grab stuff on your way out the door. Have it ready. Have it in your car for you. And if you've got children, throw some things in there. Have two or three days worth of stuff that if you need to go, you can go. It's also really important that in advance of getting out of a a abusive relationship, there's really no other way to say it. You have to call it what it is. If there are things really important to you in the house... Get them out of the house. Don't take them all at once. Maybe take them a little bit at a time. Get them out of the house. Because the first things that that person, that abusive person will come after are the things that they know are important or irreplaceable to you. Right. So great grandma's rocking chair, uh, something that you've had since childhood, family pictures and photos. 
get them out of there. And Deanne, on that point, for anybody actually going through this process of yes. starting a dissolution, that's actually a really great point. Yes. Remove grandma's ring from the house or grandpa's right. smoking pipe. Yeah, uh, that doesn't have to just be in abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes even the best people can have bad days right and decide that they're going to take some really they're quote unquote mad at you that day oh yeah, yeah. and Those... then all of a sudden they decide to throw everything into the blender oh so, <laughs> fair enough yeah mm-hmm. we've uh there was uh cases where you know you come home and all the buttons are taken off all your clothes your clothes are still there but all the buttons are sitting there in a pile right right it it doesn't take much to have a angry moment right and terrible things can happen mm-hmm the other things that you can do when you're in a domestic abuse situation, and, and again, Andrew's right, this would also apply to everyone, is start to gather documents. If you're afraid your spouse is going to find out about it, take a little bit at a time. Go make copies, go scan them in somewhere, and then return the originals to where they were. So you're right. just taking bits at a time. And it may take you a while, but eventually you'll gather up a lot of documents that might otherwise be difficult or hard to get access to. Right. And again, we do encourage you to make sure that you have your resources prepared and you try to have that mm-hmm. safety and support system because they can help you talk through these scenarios once you're in a, p- a position of safety. But... More important than anything is simply making sure that you're safe. Right. If you have to leave, leaving does not mean that you've given up any rights to the house. You didn't abandon him. You didn't give up any rights to everything. You don't get punished for leaving. Leaving. Your safety is the most important. And we can actually time having someone served with divorce papers with domestic abuse uh, orders as well, like an order for protection or harassment restraining order to try to make sure that you are secure where you are and to prevent that person from coming back into the home and taking retribution against you because of this act that you've taken. Right. And I appreciate the fact that you are empowering people who are in this scenario because it does put you in that powerless, that feeling of powerless. Mm -hmm where you're going, I don't know how I got here and I certainly don't know how to extricate myself from this scenario. And, and uh, so knowing and hearing that there is help for you. Mm-hmm. And it's and sometimes people feel embarrassed or they right. feel shame or they've really been uh, taught that all of these things are their fault. Right. And so it's a situation where you really need to start to deprogram yourself from all of those horrible things you've been told day in and day out by a person to the outside world who may look like just the best guy ever. Right. But when the doors are closed and you're home alone, he turns into that other person. And we also encourage you to make sure that you seek support because you guys have a very clear defined list of things that people should do. And a lot of the things that you're mentioning today are little things that I would not expect um, a person who was going through this. We don't expect you to know all these things and remember all these things. So Mm -hmm. having someone else who can help you from a position of clarity and and support navigate these challenges and Mm -hmm. help you take care of it once you're out of the scenario. Mm -hmm. It must be I think it would be very helpful for these people and very freeing. I know if I was in this scenario, that's why you just want to know that there's somebody that's going to support you and you're not alone. Well, you really want to just know what the truth is. Right. And sometimes you've been told something that's not true for so long that you believe it. Right. And learning the truth, it really is so freeing. Right. So are there some other things that we suggest that you start doing? You've encouraged people to like start slow. Maybe you could take some time to get these things. Make sure that you have somebody that can help you if you have to go and you have to leave. But then there's other little things that people should probably do before they leave, right? One of the most important things that we discuss with our clients, whether if they're in a abusive relationship or or not is when you commence this 
process is to start changing passwords, to start changing right. access to certain private information. So email addresses are huge. Mm -hmm. uh, not having that auto sign in feature is also a tremendous issue too. Uh, changing passwords to cell phones to right. prevent your spouse from having access to what would be considered privileged or confidential communications. Uh, and then also changing passwords to financial accounts. If you do have accounts in your name individually, making sure that your spouse doesn't have the ability to sign in on your account transfer the money out of that. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it happens more often than you would think. And people are getting more and more sophisticated. You don't even have to be a computer person anymore. And you can download software onto your spouse's phone that tracks every email, every text message, every phone call that's made. Right. Um, and to the point where if that's the kind of spouse that you have, that they're at that point, that level of controlling or questioning everywhere you go, Get a different phone. Right. Just abandon that phone. Use that phone for communications with that person and use a different phone for everything else. Right. Right. You know, we see on TV, they talk, they talk, talk about those, those, those burner phones. If you need that for a while, then that's to keep yeah. you safe. That's what you do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. though, that's a very real thing. And we're talking about just regular folks can go online and $75 later while you're in the shower, they've downloaded the software onto your phone and you can't see it. Right. Nobody can see it. So you just have to be really thoughtful about what you can. Now, if you can't do any of these things and it's just something that happens in the moment, you have to get out of there because of an abusive situation then get out of there. Right. Get out of there. Find help. There are a number of places in the Twin Cities that can assist you uh, in finding emergency shelter during those situations. But just keep in mind, you don't give up anything. No matter how many times you've been told, if you leave this house, you'll get nothing. That is not how it works. Well, we are covering things that worry you, the, the top things that worry you about when you're going into a divorce, courtesy of Deanne Doulas and Andrew Hunstead from Sheridan and Doulas. And our next segment, what are we going to cover next? We're going to talk about uh, long-term okay. financial independence for a spouse who maybe hasn't had a free access to the, the financial information during the marriage. Wonderful. That's going to be great information. We'll also take your calls at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on The Mom Show. Welcome back to The Mom Show here on My Talk 1071, also at MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon, joined by uh, Deanne Doulas and Andrew Hunstead from Sheridan and Doulas, our friends, the family and legal experts that are over there. And, and you guys have a variety of attorneys that are there. So it's basically start with one phone call and then they can t help you navigate this whole process. That's absolutely true. We try to be that uh, firm to help real people right and sometimes our problems aren't just limited to one specific thing right things do kind of dovetail into one another so we today are talking about some top things you may be worried about going into a divorce we've covered some very heavy topics but now we're kind of helping you on the road to recovery so we're going to talk about how you can become financially independent long term right andrew Correct. Okay. But before we transition into that subject, yes. I wanted to go back and talk about somebody or what relief is available for somebody who is maybe in that domestic um, abuse. Exactly. Thank you very much. Okay. So what else can we do in that scenario? So somebody in that position could file for an order for protection. That, okay. That would limit the communication okay. that that abusive partner has with this individual, but it can also provide other relief. It could provide access to the house uh, and limit the abusive partner from entering the house. It can establish a temporary parenting time schedule, child support, 
spousal maintenance. So provide housing and provide access to finances. Okay. And how do you start that process? Is it, I have to go, do I talk to an attorney first or do I go to court? What do I do? I would highly recommend consulting with an attorney before trying to pursue an order for protection, especially if there's going to be a family case associated with that, because you want to make sure that you are go through that process. If you're going to go through that process, that you're successful. Okay. You don't want it to complicate the family case any more than is necessary. And just because we do live in TV land quite often, what's the difference between an order of protection and a restraining order? Well, the order for protection is between two people who have a domestic relationship. It can be boyfriend, girlfriend. You don't have to be married. It can be between family members. But it involves actual harm or fear of imminent harm. So an order for protection is intended to protect you from that fear of your body. And a harassment restraining order is something that's more about protecting you from patterns of unwanted behavior. Okay. Which can also include fear, but it doesn't have to include fear. Okay. So if you've got an old boyfriend who is bothering you and bothering you and bothering you and bothering you and they won't leave you be, okay. that sort of communication would be the type of pattern we'd be looking at for an order for uh, a restraining order. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Thank you very much for clarifying that. So it's basically, okay, I want to have a legal recourse for this scenario. Mm-hmm. So I need to go and say, here's what I'm doing. I am in uh, imminent or I believe I'm in imminent physical harm. Help me out. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's where the courts just step in and say, okay, we're going to call a timeout mm-hmm. and we're going to separate you two and violation of either a harassment restraining order or an order for protection is a crime in and of itself. Okay. So you don't have to prove that he was harming you before the violation of that order is a separate crime altogether to try to really deter these folks from continuing in those patterns of behavior. Okay, gotcha. And it's good to know that there's some recourse out there and that it's not something that is so cumbersome that you're like, well, I don't even want to try that either because it's going to come back to bite me later. Correct. Okay. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Andrew. This is why Andrew is so awesome Mm -hmm. because he helps me to remember all the things we really need to cover. He's just absolutely genius, does a great job at what he does. Right, and I think that it's also, it's good to see that even you guys are a good partnership because again, if you're in this scenario, Mm -hmm. it's one of those like, how am I supposed to know all of this? You know, I'm already dealing with how am I going to make sure that I'm safe and, and my children have food you know, Mm -hmm. and I have to know all these other things. So a lot of times you probably don't even try. Correct. Mm-hmm. So let's move back to what we initially wanted to talk about, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I've heard this probably on a weekly basis for a couple of years now. Right. Uh, client comes in, they're scared that they're not going to be able to afford to get divorced in, in the right. long term mm-hmm. because they don't have any retirement assets of their own. Uh, their partner or spouse might have retirement accounts, a pension, mm-hmm. but they have been empl- or have been taking care of the kids for the last 10 years. Right. So um, in Minnesota, every everything is considered marital property subject to a fair and equitable division. And that okay. includes retirement accounts. Uh, all retirement accounts are divisible, whether it's directly or indirectly. And what I mean by that is uh, a direct division would be splitting the account in half. Okay. And an indirect division would be having to pay long-term spousal maintenance out of the income generated from that retirement account. And when that happens, if we're doing that long-term payment, mm-hmm. how do do you take the number that we are at at the time of the divorce or if it's something that they continue to um, 
contribute to? How do they do the calculation on what you get or what's what do you have a right to? So you would be entitled to a portion of the marital interest. What okay. that is will depend on the type of account that it is. And there's different equations for dividing different types of re- accounts. And that marital portion may not, we may not be able to come up with that direct dollar value at okay. the time of the dissolution. Okay. Um, but um, all of that would be considered divisible. Okay. So think about it this way. If it's money in a bank account, like a 401k, we know what those dollars are on a particular day. Right. So we can divide those pretty easily. And if it takes, once we've divided them, if it takes a few months to get them into your name, you get those monies plus or minus gains and losses on those funds until they're actually given to you. But like Andrew was saying, with a pension where it's some future benefit for a payout, we end up using formulas to divide those things so that you'll get a portion of it at that time in the future, along with um, some very important survivor benefits, hopefully. Okay. And what do you mean by survivor benefits? So if somebody is a participant to a pension plan, Mm -hmm. uh, they can elect a survivor. There's certain requirements for somebody to be named as a survivor, but that person will receive a life annuity after the participant passes away. Okay. So they may, might receive 50% of the benefit uh, after the employee spouse has passed. Okay. And that is something that needs to be negotiated at the time of the divorce. So can I just pull a scenario out? So let's say, okay, if you're with someone who has a pension, I know a lot less people have pensions than they did in the past. Mm -hmm. But if you were married to someone that has a pension, and let's just say you were married, is 15 years a good round, a good number, a goodly amount? That seems like a goodly amount. It is a goodly amount. That's (laughs) tripling the time that I was married. So I feel like that's (laughs) a good run. It is a very good run. So let's say you were married to someone that has been paying into their pension for the 15 years you were married, and now you are getting divorced. Mm -hmm. So is that how you decide is how long you were married? And so maybe they still have another 10 years that they still have to work to be able to get their pension. But are you still, even though they have 10 more years after you've been divorced, that you're not married to them, you still are maybe qualified to get part of that pension? Is that what you mean, so, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Without breaking down the entire equation on <laughs> okay. how to divide Okay, because you don't have to tell me exactly how much. I guess It'd be I easier if you had round numbers. So like, say, 15 and 30 total years of service. That okay. actually gives us a round number. Gotcha, okay. The end's correct. Uh, we, we take a look at the number of months during the marriage that somebody was a participant for that plan. Gotcha. And also the number of months total that that person was a participant of that plan. Fair enough. So that's okay. why we may not be able to come up with that direct dollar value because they might still be a participant after the divorce. Right. Okay. And so that, that's, see, that seems really interesting to me. It's like, it, okay, just because we get divorced does not mean that I'm still not qualified to get something that might happen in your future. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Because think about it this way. you With a pension, you get a portion of that benefit while that person is alive. Right. And with a survivor benefit, when that person passes away, you still get a portion of that for the remainder of your life. So when people divide pensions and they forget that survivor benefit, they are really losing out on potentially a very large stream of income, right. uh, depending on what that looked like. So when you think about, you know, let's say your spouse is much older than you and you mm-hmm. think, well, maybe I'll get some pension, but they're going to die so far ahead of me because they're 20 years older than me. Right. That's not necessarily true. Well, I think that's really interesting to keep that in mind that, 
Yes, you are of value as a homemaker and you Mm -hmm. have to remind yourself that because I do think that just in society, we are transitioning into going, no, that is a very important Mm -hmm. uh, decision that you made and you and your family decided to do. But that doesn't mean that you have no recourse Mm -hmm. if you need to get out of a relationship. And that's one of the places where Minnesota has actually been ahead of the game. Okay. Because Minnesota law has for a very long time said that it doesn't matter who earned it, that we're going to assume that both people contributed to the accumulation of those assets during the marriage, and we're going to divide it like that. Okay. So it doesn't matter who earned it. So. I know we have to wrap up soonish, but do we have time to kind of cover what happens with Social Security in this scenario? We do. Okay. So, uh, Social Security, um, if the parties are married for at least 10 years. Okay. And the person who, you have the right to actually claim the interest that your spouse has earned. Okay. It doesn't affect your former spouse's interest or their payments and they're actually not even notified that you are exercising this right fair enough but if the duration of the marriage is 10 years and you have not remarried you can exercise your ex-spouse's social security benefits okay you would get that dollar amount rather than maybe a a much lower amount if you weren't working outside of the household all right and again there's a lot of numbers that are floating around so a good reason for you to talk to not Mm -hmm. only an attorney but also find your financial advisor and make sure that all of these little pieces of the puzzle continue to work in your benefit as if you were deciding to get a divorce but again good information to know so that you're not so paralyzed with fear that you go i'm going to stay in this untenable relationship right that that fear of the unknown of what could happen or what you've been told will happen keeps a lot of people in some really uh, damaging and emotionally harmful relationships. All right. Well, we are going to go into our final segment after this break. And what are we going to cover in that one? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about kids and we're going to talk about the threats that and fears that you have about kids when you're coming into those relationships and trying to think about ending one. All right. And we will take your questions at 651-641-1071. You're listening to Deanne Doulas and Andrew Hunstead from Sheridan and Doulas. We'll be right back on The Mom Show. Welcome back to the Mom Show here on My Talk 1071. And again, you can always find us online at MyTalk1071.com, keyword Mom Show. Today, Deanne Doulas and Andrew Hunstead from Sheridan and Doulas are taking care of some of the worries you have before you start the divorce proceedings. And so we are also taking your questions at 651-641-1071. And Deanne and Andrew, I know that we are going to cover some things regarding your children mm-hmm. as you're moving through this process. But before that, I'd like to go to the phone. So Jane, thank you very much for calling the mom show. Jane, what is your question, please? Jane, are you there? Well, we'll go ahead and let our producer go ahead and talk to Jane. We'll come back to her in just a second. And so we'll go ahead. And I know that she had a question about Social Security. So we'll touch on that in a moment. But in the meantime, let's go and touch slightly into the conversation of children. So Deanne and Andrew, what's your question? Your your uh uh, when we're talking about the subject matter of going into a divorce, how do we make sure that our children are taken care of? Well, that's always the biggest fear, right? What will happen to my kids? And if you're in an abusive relationship or in a relationship where you're really based on power and control, you're going to often hear things like, I won't let you take my kids. Right. I'm going to tell them all sorts of things about you. You're going to lose custody. I'm going to take custody away from you. You're never going to see them again. The kids will finally know what kind of person you are. Right. There's all sorts of things that can leave us in a position where we say, you know, I'd rather stay in this relationship than 
make all of this this risk of all of these terrible things happening right because i mean i mean i understand as a parent how important it is to go no i don't want to harm my children in this scenario Right. And and we're always flooded with all of these ideas from people that say, you know, divorce is terrible. You know, staying in a really abusive or a difficult or a relationship that just doesn't function. Right. Can also be terrible, terrible for kids. They see everything. They hear everything. So this idea that someone is going to threaten you and simply say you lose custody of your kids because that person says so just isn't how it works. Right. So there's a number of ways to counter somebody who's being aggressive and making these threats. This is a perfect example of where information is power. This this threat that is made often is primarily an empty one. Uh, Minnesota actually has some presumptions in our statutes. Uh, in Minnesota, legal custody uh, has a presumption of joint legal custody. Jo- legal custody is the right to be informed and make decisions regarding your child's health care, education, and religious upbringing. And there's also a presumption of 25% parenting time, right. uh, which, frankly, you don't have to be a great parent to get 25%. Okay. All right. So that works both for and against what we're talking about here. Right. But the idea that someone can come in and say, you will never see your kids again, mm-hmm. is incredibly unlikely unless we're dealing with some very big and horrible issues. Right. Courts are very... Uh, disinterested in taking kids completely away from parents. All right. And that does seem like, you know, our reality out there from what I see out there in the wild, that does seem to be the case. But you can understand that if something is getting thrown at you, that's what you'd feel. And just a second. So Andrew and Deanne. So producer Sonny, I know that you were talking to Jane. Do you have her question? I do have her question. Thank you for calling Jane. I'm sorry we weren't able to pull you up. Producer Sonny, though, is going to uh, go ahead and ask that question on her behalf. So Jane says when an ex-spouse files against your social security, do they receive what she would receive or do they get half of what she receives? It's, it is a lesser amount that they would receive. They're receiving a spousal benefit. Um, and so that is less than what the other person receives, but it doesn't reduce the amount that the other person receives. Gotcha. If so you, Jane's amount wouldn't be any less because no, of this. Okay. No. And so you can go on to the Social Security uh, website. There's a lot of good information. You can actually go on and pull up your own Social Security statement with your Social Security number or get some general information from them about what that looks like, but the amount does change depending on how much money you've put in. Okay. Does that sound about what she needed to know, Producer Sonny? I think so. All right. Thank you Thanks, very Sonny. much. If Jane, if that wasn't quite what you needed, feel free to call us back, and anyone else can also get a hold of us at 651-641-1071. We do know that that Social Security piece is quite complex, so we encourage you to seek professional guidance on that, um, and don't leave yourself out there in the weeds. And also, regarding children, I mean, when we're talking about trying to make sure that you know you are doing the best as the parent for your kids i'm sure it's very difficult as we mentioned earlier to try and take the emotion out of it and go how do i adult well as a parent it's impossible right right because these are human beings that you'd step in front of a bus for if you thought it would save them or protect them in any sort of way and so when someone wants to get at you the easiest the low-hanging fruit the best way to get you right is to threaten your kids right and you've mentioned that before that weaponizing the kids when you're in a relationship like that happens often Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
It does. And the process really involves what are called 12 best interest factors. And so it's not simply what he said versus what you said. So it's just a he said, she said, and I'm going to say more horrible things about you than what you can say about me. Right. It's about going through a process of analyzing 12 different factors that affect the relationships of parents and children and then looking at it from the perspective of the child. Okay. Parenting time, although it's called parenting time, is really the right of the child to have contact with the parent, not the parent to have the right to have contact with the child. Okay. And so we want to make sure that that contact that exists is helpful, supportive, loving, provide appropriate guidance to the child so that the child can benefit from that relationship. So that's why we do it within the context of the best interests of the child. Okay. It's not to say that the lies that can come out in this process won't still come out, but there are these other uh, levels and safety measures that are put in place. So it's not just a he said, she said when it comes to what time with kids look like. And what are the things involved when I, you know, we start going, well, not only am I going to take the kids, I'm moving or I, you know, things that you probably should work out with one another, but you go, no, I'm going to use this against my ex-spouse. So in Minnesota, after parenting time has been established, there are restrictions that would prevent a spouse or a former spouse from removing a child from the state of Minnesota for the purposes of changing their residency. Okay. In short, uh, a court either needs to approve that or the other parent has Has to approve approve. that move. Okay. Uh, And there's countless federal laws and state laws that prevent a parent from taking a kid outside of their home state, Minnesota in this scenario, and relocating the child to another state across the country. Right. Uh, Jurisdiction would stay here in Minnesota and allow a proceeding to happen here rather than say in South Carolina or Florida. Right. Well, I know that there are still lots of nuances to that parenting schedule and that parenting time that we could cover, but we only have a couple of minutes left in the show. And I just want to make sure that we have time to kind of wrap up and give people that overall information about what they need to do and what might be worrying them about going into a divorce. Well, and the things that really, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times today. It's that fear of the unknown. Right. Right. What's going to happen? And the best way to combat that fear is by trying to get information. And when we talk about information, we're not just talking about talking to other people that you know. And certainly we're not talking about just going on the Internet. Right. You need to get in and talk to a professional who can give you information that's going to be specific to your situation and can talk to you about all of your options and the pros and cons of those options so that you're making the decision about the path that you want to walk moving forward. A good idea to keep in mind, too, is that you're not going through this process alone. Right. Um, it, it's it's going to be a very difficult process emotionally right um if i always recommend that my clients find somebody to speak with whether that's a friend or if it's a professional uh to help process their emotions but i I do caution my clients to be or be aware of the well-intentioned friend that might be feeding into some of maybe the more um reactionary Mm -hmm. um and sometimes our friends are too much of our friends and not yes. necessarily a good counselor. And, oh, you know, no. and I, you know, I know from example, and I know that some people don't always go, well, I think that therapy is the best case for me. But there are some times we're finding, again, like finding the right attorney, mm-hmm. finding the right financial advisor, finding the right person, finding the right therapist or counselor for you during these times. There's no shame in that. There's no, just, none. you know, you just admit I need more support than this. If you uh, need glasses, you mm-hmm. don't have a problem going and asking a doctor to help you by giving you glasses. 
services. Right. If you need help with your car, you have no problem going to a mechanic. This is the time you need to reach out and get help from a lawyer or a psychological professional to help you get through this. And again, your website is what, Deanne? It is www.ssdpa.com. And Andrew, I know the phone number over there is 651-686-8800, right? That is correct. We encourage you to get the help that you need. Remember, free consultations are available over at Sheridan and Dulas. And if you want to hear this show, again, you can find us on our website, mytalk1071.com.